The Brockton serial killer case is one that I've been investigating for about a year now. I've spoken to police and a forensic genealogist. It's a case that has frightened many people in the mostly quiet town. Between 2013 and 14, a man has been attacking, raping, and killing women in the small town of Brockton, Massachusetts. How do we know it's the same guy? Well, DNA was collected and matched in all the cases we're going to talk about. Now there's a possible break in the investigation. Now at noon, a heartbreak over a young mother who has been found dead. Jesse Correa had been missing for days. Police arrested the man accused of kidnapping her, and investigators say they tracked down Lewis Coleman in Delaware and found a body in the trunk of his car. Before we dive into the case, I want to let you know that the content is for mature audiences and might not be for everyone. This episode might get a little bit graphic. I also want to remind you that we have a special shout out to everyone who wrote reviews on Apple Podcasts. It really helps independent podcasts like this one get noticed. So please subscribe, rate five star, and write a review. Now after the episode, I want to share with you details about the American Crime Fest that I'll be speaking at and a couple of true crime podcasts that I think that you might like. More on that after the case of the Brockton Serial Killer. Investigators, you're on deadline. From the Hollywood Hills to your ear holes, this is True Crime Deadline, a podcast discussing cold cases, murder mysteries, and completely random thoughts. Now, here's your host, a man who stands in front of crime scene tape and talks on the TV box for a living, Mr. Mystery himself, Matt Johnson. Brockton is a town of about 95,000 people in Plymouth County, Massachusetts. There's brick buildings, some with bell towers, there's old street lights, and a lot of wooden Victorian houses. It's located on the east coast about a 30-minute drive, 25 miles outside of Boston. About halfway is a town of Quincy, which is where one of our victims lived. Brockton has a few nicknames, including Shoe City, because it was once considered the shoe capital of the world, and City of Champions after a few famous boxers, including Rocky, you know that name, and Marvin Hagler. And a lot of the local schools have well-known sports programs. Brockton is also considered the windiest city in the U.S., meaning winters can be extra harsh, extra cold. And on one of those winters, December of 2014, on December 28th, a gruesome discovery was made. Near the Brockton VFW post, 1046, a man walking in the woods with his dog discovered a strange folding chair and a pile of wood. He looked closer and discovered there were two bodies. Breaking news right now in Brockton. Investigators confirming the remains of not one, but two people have been found. Two sets of human remains were found close to one another, but investigators say one set has been there a lot longer. And they say that the body had been dismembered. The remains were later identified as 20-year-old Ashley Milet and 50-year-old Linda Schufeld. Linda's remains had been there for a while longer, basically bones. Ashley had been missing 25 days her body dismembered and on top of Linda's bones. At this point, Ashley's family and friends still searching for her were putting up missing persons flyers all over town. When one of them got the call, Ashley was dead. 
What I know about Ashley from my research is that she lived with her grandparents until she was about 16. Then she moved to Brockton to be with her mom. She got mixed up with the wrong crowd, experimenting with drugs that turned into a bigger problem. Her family, doing interviews on local TV, always says the same thing, that she was a good student when she was in school. Her mom told the Enterprise newspaper that she played sports and loved soccer and softball. She was a very smart kid with a ton of friends. At one point, she reportedly got mixed up with an older man, got into drugs, and got arrested. She then left her mom's house and was in and out of halfway houses in the Boston area. She had some demons, but she was loved. Linda Schufelt was also loved, but she also had some demons, struggling with addiction and homelessness. She was a U.S. Navy vet, mother of five, and was looking to turn her life around. She had an apartment and was living in Quincy, halfway between Brockton and Boston. She was taking classes at the local community college and trying to make a better life for herself. Her family says that she was taking classes because she wanted to be a counselor. She wanted to help other people. Police tell me that she last saw her children about one month before she was found dead. At the scene, detectives were able to collect DNA from Ashley's body. The DNA was run through the police database called CODIS. And in January 2015, there was a hit. Whoever raped and killed Ashley and dumped her body behind the VFW on top of Linda's remains also raped at least three women. In March of 2015, the Plymouth County District Attorney made a huge announcement. He said the DNA profile in the three unsolved rape cases matched the DNA profile of the killer. He went on to describe the rapes as told by the victims. He said a man picked up the victims and brutally beat them and violently sexually assaulted them and then dumped them on the side of the road miles and miles away from Brockton. He said the suspect appears normal at first and hunts women who appear vulnerable. He then showed the news stations a sketch. The sketch was generated by Parabon Nanolabs. The killer's DNA collected from Ashley's body matched DNA recovered from three violent rapes of prostitutes in Brockton. Virginia-based Parabon Nanolabs already produced a digital composite image of the killer from his own DNA, but investigators are hoping for more. It's a brand new use of DNA technology that's led to the highly publicized arrest of the Golden State Killer in California. We're hopeful that we're going to be able, by using the genetic genealogy, find somebody who may be related to the individual that committed this offense. Parabon had just started a new service that was called Snapshot, where scientists, based on DNA profile, generate a phenotype sketch identifying dominant genes. In this case, the suspect sketch was a man in his mid-twenties, brown eyes, short black hair, and light brown complexion. Now clearly, the three survivors may have also helped in the sketch process to help zero in on the suspect's age range and haircut style. The sketch did the trick, and it generated a lot of interest, a lot of leads, and a lot of phone calls from the public. But then weeks went by and months, and the tips faded, and the case was once again cold. Until a few months ago, when there was another murder of a young girl possibly connected. 
Now at noon, a heartbreak over a young mother who has been found dead. Jesse Correa had been missing for days. Police arrested the man accused of kidnapping her, and investigators say they tracked down Lewis Coleman in Delaware and found a body in the trunk of his car. He allegedly kidnapped her from outside a bar in Boston. Correa's body was eventually found in his car all the way in Delaware. Today, we learned that Coleman is being held in Philadelphia. He will eventually be brought back to Boston, where he'll face federal charges to carry the possibility of the death penalty. On February 24th, mother of two, Jessie Correa, went out to celebrate her birthday. That night, she's caught on camera walking with a man leaving a nightclub in Boston. You can see them both get into his car in the video. Now, according to the Daily Mail, her brother tried to call her and wish her a happy birthday the following Tuesday, that's two days later, and he couldn't reach her. On Wednesday, her family filed a missing persons report. The next day, police identified the man in the video as 32-year-old Lewis Coleman of Rhode Island. They issued a multi-state manhunt, and he was arrested later in the day in Delaware. Jassy's body was found in the trunk of his car, according to police. A look through the Boston federal court affidavit shows a more than four-day-long timeline from security camera footage. Sunday, February 24th, 2.15 a.m., Correa leaves venue and gets in a car with Coleman. 4.25 a.m., Coleman carries Correa into his Providence apartment. On Tuesday, February 26th, he returns to his apartment with Walmart bags. He bought three Tyvek suits, duct tape, two candles, electrical tape, a mask surgical gloves, safety goggles, an odor respirator, and bleach. Next day, Wednesday, February 27th at 9.58 p.m., he returns to his apartment with a suitcase. Then on Thursday, February 28th at 1.15 a.m., he puts the suitcase in the trunk of his car and is arrested in Delaware that afternoon. After the arrest, the story went national. The mother of two out to celebrate her birthday and then found dead in the back of the trunk of a car, news outlets posted his picture, the suspect's picture, and the citizen detective by the name of Amber Smith made a connection that changed everything. Amber gets online and compares side-by-side -side the suspect's mugshot with a Parabon sketch of the Brockton serial killer. Her Facebook post goes viral. She tells reporter Cody Shepard with the Enterprise, quote, there's no doubt in my mind that it's him, him, meaning the man who killed and dismembered her childhood friend, 20-year-old Ashley Milet. Again, I'll post pictures of the sketch and Coleman's mugshot side-by-side side so that you can see them for yourself. They are strikingly similar ears, haircut, down to the shape of his caterpillar eyebrows. But I also want to point out the fact that he has not yet been charged in the serial killing cases. Right now, police in Delaware, Rhode Island, and Brockton, they're all working together, and they're investigating. And one can assume comparing the DNA, so I'll keep you posted. Coleman pleaded not guilty in a Rhode Island courtroom. His defense team claims that he was in California during 2013 and 14, when Ashley and Linda were murdered. But we all know that serial killers have been known to travel to kill also. What we know is that Coleman has been extradited back to Massachusetts, where he's waiting trial in the Korea case. Currently, he's facing several charges, including kidnapping, mutilation of a dead body, and failure to report the death, an intent to conceal a crime. As for Ashley's friend, who made the possible connection, 
She told reporters that in a way, this is closure, while Linda's family said that this brings back terrible memories, but hopefully will lead to justice. Ashley was just 20 years old. Linda had five kids. And Jossie leaves behind a little two-year-old daughter. Anyone with information in this case is being asked to call this number for police, 508-894-2584, and I'll put it in my show notes. And I'll also post pictures of the case on my website, truecrimedeadline.com, and Twitter and Facebook under the same name. Investigators, until next time. Thank you for investigating True Crime Deadline with Matt Johnson. For more information about the podcast, visit truecrimedeadline.com. And remember, all tips regarding a case should go to the police. Until next time. Mr. Gatsby, want a cookie? Good boy. Now a post-episode announcement. True Crime Deadline is a finalist nominated in the storytelling drama category of the People's Choice Podcast Awards. So thank you anyone who voted for me. It's a huge deal since I started this podcast adventure earlier this year. And thanks for being along for the ride. Also, thank you investigators who wrote reviews on Apple Podcasts. Here are a couple I wanted to give you a shout out. And if I don't read your review in this episode, I will in a future episode, promise. All right, so the first one says this. It's titled Unique Addition to the Genre. It says, I really love this show. With the host having covered many of the cases from day one as a journalist, he gives an immediacy to the reporting and with a retrospective shows lack. He also has a great voice and a clear commitment to making this a high quality show. And that's from Charlie in Kansas City. Thanks, Charlie. The next one's from the Gone Cold crew. That's a great podcast. Check them out. And it's titled Great Work. It says this, True Crime Deadline features stories I'm not necessarily familiar with, and every one of them has been immensely interesting. Matt's a seasoned reporter who knows what he's doing and it shows. Not only is he adept at telling stories of victims, their loved ones, and the perpetrators, he was on the scene as a reporter when the tragic events occurred. Great work. And this one says, must listen five stars. Great production quality, really love Matt's voice, and the stories are obviously well-researched and great care and respect for the victims. And that's from Jammin' Lady for You. All right, thank you. The last one that we're going to talk about says, what's not to love? Very professional and really great cases, all complemented by excellent production quality and delivered by a great host, you really cannot get a better true crime podcast, exclamation mark. Thank you. Um, do yourself a favor and subscribe. I have to agree. And that's from woohoo36. So thank you, everybody. Again, writing reviews really helps independent podcasts like this one get noticed. We're up against networks, those studios, and now TV channels are doing podcasts. So thank you. It's easy. It's free. Hit five star, subscribe, tell a friend, write a review, and include your real name, and your podcast name if you're a podcaster, because I want to give you a proper shout out. Now, speaking of podcasts, I'm excited to tell you about two true crime podcasts I've been following, and I think that you might like. They're called Strictly Homicide and Ohio 88. Let's start with that one. Ohio 88 is a podcast that dives into some of the most notorious crimes in the Midwest, mainly in the Buckeye State. Take a listen. Columbiana County. Franklin County. Morgan County. 
The United States of America is comprised of 50 states. Ohio is one of those states. Each state is comprised of counties. Ohio has 88 counties. Each county has its fair share of criminal activity, which means that each county has its fair share of criminals, criminals of all types. In Ohio 88, we will examine the most notorious individual from each one of Ohio's 88 counties. We will explore crimes such as bank robberies, poisoning, shootouts with police, burglary, embezzlement, school shootings, sport ticket fraud, and more. Additionally, we will take a look into the backgrounds of some of the most infamous individuals who called Ohio their home. Some of these people include Charles Manson, Donald Harvey, Ariel Castro, Charles Arthur or Pretty Boy Floyd, Art Schlichter, James Worley, TJ Lane, Eric David Harris, and even the husband and wife duo Michael and Sharon Grable. Be sure to follow Ohio 88 on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for release updates and more. Tuscarawas County, Adams County, Highland County, Athens County, Hancock County, Hardin County, Green County, Fayette County. Now the second podcast is called Strictly Homicide, which by the title, I think we both know what we're going to get with this one. Are you getting sick and tired of hearing about Ted Bundy, Maura Murray, the Golden State Killer, West Memphis 3? Check out Strictly Homicide Podcast, a true crime show that discusses cases out of the natural state. And even though it's Arkansas, we won't be covering the West Memphis 3 or the Boys on the Track anytime soon. So check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Podcoin, or basically wherever you listen to all your favorite shows. You can also find us on all social media platforms. And as Mr. T would say, I pity the fool that doesn't listen to Strictly Homicide. You can find them and us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, basically anywhere you binge. Now a final message before I let you go. My investigators who love true crime like me, check it out. I am going to be a speaker and featured podcaster at American Crime Fest, which is sponsored this year by Crawl Space and Unsolved Magazine. We hope to see you there. Crime Festival is where the world's leaders in true crime, media, podcasts, and citizen detectives are coming together in one event. November 8th through 10th, 2019 in Wildwood, New Jersey is where it's at. The American Crime Fest will include star-studded presentations and compelling panels from the world of true crime. You can watch Aphrodite Jones go toe-to-toe or beak-to-beak with Larry Pollard as they debate the owl theory in Netflix's The Staircase, based on the Michael Peterson case. I see what you did there with beak-to-beak. Go behind the scenes with your favorite podcasters, like us. Who wouldn't want to hang out with us? Listen to experts discuss evidence and their theories on notable cases. Please visit AmericanCrimeFest.com for more info. And stay tuned as personalities, presenters, and topics are added on a continuing basis. Don't miss this opportunity to meet, mingle, learn, and discuss your investigation with your favorite podcasters, true crime personalities, and other citizen detectives at the Jersey Shore along the beautiful oceanfront. So join us in Wildwood, New Jersey on November 8th, 9th, and 10th. And remember, the 8th is a exclusive, intimate VIP night for the American Crime Festival. Sign up soon for the best ticket prices. It's going to get wild in Wildwood. AmericanCrimeFest.com.